Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, everybody. I'm Kim Holderness. And I'm Ben Holderness. Thank you for hitting play, download, whatever you press to start the Holderness Family Podcast. We're so honored that you decided to join us for this half hour to 45 minutes, depending on the edit length. Yes. And depending (laughs) about how long Penn wants to talk sports with our guest. Oh, that's going to be trouble. Right. Because he was my he was my sports center. Okay, Okay, so let's let's just start with this. We normally on Tuesday, we do podcasts about our lives and we leave the amazing race talk. To Thursdays, Thursdays. Because it's the day after the race. Yeah. So during the season of The Amazing Race, we're doing special recaps during our, our time on the race. But this is special because Sherry and Akbar Cook are pretty amazing people and they have such an inspiring story to tell. Sherry and Akbar Cook are married educators from New Jersey. Akbar has a new book available now called Focus on the Love. We're going to talk about that. I think the most inspiring thing they've done is they created this program called Lights On at their school. And it's got it's received national attention like Oprah went to the school. Right. One of the if you watch The Amazing Race, like the first three minutes of the first episode of the show, there's a picture of Akbar. (laughs) In his school, and Oprah's holding his hand. <laughs> he, so Kim's like, okay, that's something I've not. only dreamed of. <laughs> and But like, he's he's tight with Oprah. He's tight with Ellen. There's a reason why he's tight with all of these incredibly influential people, because the basic concept of what he did, it's, it's this kind of simple idea that no one thought of that took a, a sacrifice from him and from his family and his wife, but has changed the lives of this school community. And it also has kind of caught on in other school communities. Of course, no one will be able to talk about it as well as Akbar. Exactly. So in his book, Focus on the Love, a transformative approach to organizational leadership is out now. It was released as of yesterday. So we're going to talk about what it means to be a leader, what it means to be a teacher right now, and what parents need to know about what educators are going through. It's going to be a good one guys. We'll talk a little bit about the race as well. A little bit. So Akbar and I got to be good friends. I I do want to talk a little bit about it because I saw a side of him that potentially other people did not see when they watched it. So he and his wife are lovely people and they obviously have been both a big part of the Lights On program, uh, which you can see if you look at any of the stuff online when you're looking at Akbar and Sherry. So welcome Akbar and Sherry Cook. 
Welcome, Sherry and Akbar. It is so good to see your smiling faces. Um, We miss you. We miss you guys, too. Um, Yeah, I miss my sports center buddy over there. Yeah. (laughs) All right, we talked about this in the intro. I think we should just, let's just lead off with this. Okay, go for it. Akbar knows basketball. He played basketball in college. So did Sherry. We were on a race where there was like, we were in country after country that were not touristy countries, okay? Which means they didn't have any English-speaking television anywhere. There was no sports center. Whatever sports you wanted to find, it was not anything I'd ever heard of before. We watched competitive rock climbing one night, though. Competitive rock climbing in Switzerland, oh, and so the time that Akbar and I did have, t- you know, together, which was usually on airplanes going from country to country, also no TV, and there were like you know long three-hour lines to get uh, out of these countries, and we would just start talking sports, and we would ignore everybody for what four or five hours. Oh, so boring, <laughs> something like that. <laughs> and I'd be like, oh wow, they're still talking about sports. I'm going to go back over here and talk to Sherry. You guys talk about yeah, they're doing strategy, and Akbar and I are having a definitive argument about Michael Jordan versus LeBron James, which I think we've settled. <laughs> We're not going to bring that up again. Oh gosh, yeah, we're good here. We good. <laughs> okay, about that all day. So, why did you guys want to do the Amazing Race? Well, well, so when they contacted me. I was like, wow, one, I, ne- I heard of the race before, but I didn't know what it consisted of. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, well, it beats American Ninja Warrior because American Ninja Warrior had called me before. And I knew I didn't want to be a meme for that. <laughs> that was first, right? <laughs> so then I asked them, the producers, I said, well, can I bring my brother-in-law or can I bring my son? And they was like, uh, I don't think so. We don't know about that demographic. So I asked <laughs> Sherry. And I, I thought she would say no because she's scared of heights and she doesn't like to eat all these crazy things and she can't swim. And believe it or not, guys, she said yes. So I was like, okay. And when they met her, it was love at first sight because they just was in love with her. And then I was, uh, you know, you were chopped liver. Chemistry. Yeah. But I was, I was actually all for Akbar taking my brother because I figured, okay, one of us will still be here with the kids. So just go ahead and, and go with the Garyan. So I guess he told them that he wanted to do that. And they were like, no, we're looking for the husband and the wife dynamic. So, I mean, I went against everything that I fear. And I said, okay, let's, let's give it a try. So <laughs> I, I can relate to that because this puts you so far out of your comfort zone. It was scary. What, I mean, I was scared doing it. It was definitely scary. It was I, heights is one of my biggest fears. But um, I said, if I'm going to go in the race, I may as well, you know, get ready and get over it. So I gave it a good go. I, I did the best I could. You did not only the best you could. I mean, I think like everybody was standing up in their living rooms cheering for you when you did that bungee jump. That was just Aww. that. <laughs> What is like the highlight if even if like of stuff I've done, that was like the highlight yeah. of the season for me is seeing because you were like, I can't, I can't, I can't. And you just did it. For those of you who have not watched the race, I just need to oh, yeah. clarify this. It's the largest, second uh, largest, so, second largest or uh, <laughs> deepest bungee jump. And it's got to be the scariest because it's off of a dam and you are parallel to the dam as you were jumping 700 and something feet 722 700 yeah you know exactly how many feet i hear you girl 722 feet 
And um, this was a couple of days after uh, Sherry and, uh, had to climb up and down a, mountain. a goat path in the middle of Switzerland. <laughs> so Switzerland uh, was something else for Sherry. Anyway, Sherry and Kim, oh, okay. Sherry and Kim are now kindred spirits because they both did this crazy jump. And if you want to see what it looks like, look at the first five minutes of the movie Goldeneye. <laughs> yeah. Have you guys watched that yet? No. I've seen Goldeneye, Golden but yeah, that, that's the damn we jumped off. Yes. I didn't know that. Yes, your wife did that. Oh, wow. So, again, we're not going to keep this all amazing race, but what would you guys say was the hardest part of the experience? Could be a challenge, could be see some, you know, something we didn't see. What do you think? I know the hardest, to be honest, the hardest part for me was probably the um, conditioning, just um, the running from from place to place. That was a little bit difficult for me. And then the um, altitude definitely mm. when we were on the mountain was definitely so hard for me. That was, I just remember uh, gasping for breath and trying to breathe. So that was definitely difficult. That was the most difficult part that I can remember for myself, even outside of the steps. Mm-hmm. Oh, those steps. What about you, Akbar? Yeah, for me, it would be the driving the first time around. (laughs) Definitely the driving the first time around. Yeah, I know you pointed uh, (laughs) to that guy over there. But uh, the driving the first time around was definitely huge. But it but it also was me trying to uh, trying to navigate between the competitor and the husband, you know, like, cause we play cards, we play Monopoly. Like you guys got to see them. It's like cutthroat Monopoly over here, but they all gang up on me. So it was kind of hard. And I think America got to see, you know, what, what would be considered abrasive, you know, us going back and forth, but you know, this is our dynamic. We've been together for 23 years and this is what we do. So that was the hard part for me. The hard part was the driving the first time around and just our communication because of my competitive nature. Akbar, uh, talk a little bit more about that. I mean, you mentioned abrasive. You, I also know you, and I know Sherry, and there are different ways that people communicate, right? Um, what is it? What is it like? How different was the way you guys communicated from how you communicate in daily life, or was it the same? I would, I would want to say, uh, we don't, we're not, in, we're not competing most time of the day, but I think <laughs> sure. when we do compete, yeah. So, so, so say we get on a video game as a family and we all like, that's how we all like, yo, let's go. Like, come on. Like, so it's like you, so you guys got to see the competitive part, but us in our normal daily life is not, that's that type of conversation is not going on. But uh, yeah, it, it kind of just watching it back, you know, it kind of made me more reflective and I'm like, wow. You know, if I'm doing it at work too, like, am I, am I the bad boss? Can I tell you, <laughs> you something? Know? Can I tell you something real quick? Kim and yes. I worked, Kim and I worked together for, uh, we've worked together now for eight years. And the first year that we worked together, I was coming straight off of a job at a newsroom and a newsroom is a lot like you're describing it. It's, it's abrasive. That's the perfect term for it. And Kim worked in, in them for a long time and we talked to each other in certain ways. And I came and did the job with Kim and I kept talking that way. And she's like, you're not talking to me. Right. And I said, no, this is how I normally do when I work. And she recorded me and I recorded a conversation and and I played it back and I did not recognize myself. This was seven years ago. I didn't recognize myself. I, I, I didn't realize I was doing it. So I wonder if, I mean, what you just said reminded me of that. Cause I mean, you got recorded and you said that it had you reflecting it. It also had me reflecting as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's a, 
yeah, I didn't want to, I didn't want to come across as the, you know, cause everything I do is based on love. And I know obviously I love my family and everything that we do. And it kind of sent the wrong message out. I knew we would be, you know, I know we had the fireworks that, you know, reality TV likes. I knew, I knew that going in, that's just our dynamic, but I didn't want it to be like, I was taking tack or trying to take advantage of her because, you know, I'm this big. Well, you know what I'm saying. I, <laughs> <laughs> I know Sherry well enough to know that she's not going to be taken advantage of. <laughs> and I know I, I tell my kids all the time, don't say shut up. That's so ugly. Those are so ugly. But I must have said shut up maybe like a thousand times. Or they looped and it. So he was like, you said you weren't going to say shut up anymore. I was like, I lied. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, it, that race does things to it people. Does thing, it does. It plays mind tricks. I will say that that when I taped that phone conversation, we went into marriage counseling after that. So um, I will say we had some. Oh, we had the advantage of having marriage counseling before going on a reality show. But it does things to you. And you guys, you've been married for twenty three years. Is that right? Twenty three years. We've been married for nineteen years, but we've been together for twenty three years. Okay. Well, that's not an accident, right? Like you. I mean, everybody commutes communicates in a different way. Like something's working. Something's okay. Yes. You know what I mean? So. I, we don't talk to each other like that in our everyday lives. So I, I couldn't imagine. She still, shut up, though. She still says. <laughs> I do not. <laughs> Listen, I, I, people aren't able to see this. Uh, this is a an, an audio podcast, but I love the way that you guys non-verbally communicate with each other. And I mean, you guys are in love. It's pretty darn obvious. And I'm sure that love is a big part of you know, the reason why you were on the show, the reason why that you guys have given so much of yourself to your community and have really like transformed not only your area, but a lot of schools in need. So, I mean, I'd love to segue into that because it really is, that is a labor of your love and it's something that you should be really proud of. Yes. Thank you. Um, so, so, so Penn and Kim, when I, when I got the news, I was going to West side, I was kind of scared. It was one of the worst schools you know, in the state, in the country. And uh, I knew the only way we could do it is being consistent, being fair, and just do it with love. Um, that year, not going too deep into it, I ended up losing three kids to gun violence. Mm-hmm. And I remember that first time I was there, it was just it was just like I was just as helpless, just bystander as my kids were being picked off like a scary movie. So the following year, I decided that we were going to do something that mirrors a Boys and Girls Club and just open up the school from 6 p.m. to 11 p.m., Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays in the summer. And uh, we would call it Lights On because all of the lights on in all the buildings across the, you know, across the world. I don't know why. But I knew I had to do it with my family. So nepotism at its finest. I got my sister and, and, and Sherry in the kitchen serving them some of the best food. I got my mom helping to, you know, help out with the uh, the folks with, the, with our homes and then uh, washing the clothes with the kids. I got my son, you know, helping with the studio. I got, you know, just a lot of my kids working that used to be there with me. So it was like a family affair. But we started doing that, I want to say, in 2016. It was 2016. Mm-hmm. Prior to COVID, since we started doing that, we didn't lose any more kids to gun violence. And because we was consistent, we was fair, we was just giving them things. It's a place to be. And it, and, and, and it just really caught fire. And that's what ended up getting us, you know, recognized on a lot of just local television. But it wasn't until the, you know, the laundromat came out. And that's when, you know, we made his way to Ellen and all the other great things that happened, like Oprah coming in and giving us half a million dollars. I mean, so, so talk to us about the laundromat for people that don't know and, and how that has impacted the community. So so I was having a lot of students stay home 
and I and I and I after you know digging further into it, I found out that they were staying home because they didn't have clean clothes. Like, and my district is one of those districts that require uh, uniforms. Mm-hmm. So my thing is, you take the most disadvantaged youth and you tell them to wear uniforms, and then one of the uniforms is khakis. I'm like, why would you give them khakis? Khakis get dirty looking at them. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, so, so I changed the the colors. I said I went with black, you know, uh, pants. I went with you know dark gray, dark color shirts, but it was still a band aid. Came in and took one of my kids uh, uh, fighting for their pride at the door, and come to find out, we went through a bag, and she was just fighting because she was homeless and didn't want people to see her dirty underwear. Uh-huh. So I got with my district, and we 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 put a, a laundromat in there. And, and now I can say my attendance is up. I'm over 90 something percent attendance and my kids never have to worry about laundry detergent or having to wash their clothes because we provided that, uh, you know, that for them now. That's incredible leadership. I think, I think there's, I mean, teachers and administrators are up against so much, but just like whittling down to the core. So I applaud you for that. Can you, can you paint a little bit of a picture Maybe a little bit of the before picture. You you talked about it a bit of how you were scared when you wanted to go to West Side and hearing someone like you, who is a mountain of a man, <laughs> saying he is scared uh, is is quite a statement. You mentioned losing three kids to gun violence. I mean, can you just talk a little bit more specifically about those earlier days and what the what the climate was like? Yes. So um, prior to us moving to West Side. Um, I wanted to go up there. I was at another school called North Vocation, and we dealt with career technical education, whether it was uh, graphic arts, it was uh, whether it was construction, culinary. So we had that we had that you know system for our school. And we had another school that was dealing with early college classes. So the the thing was, they wanted to take the early college courses and the career technical education and throw it in Westside and jump started back into what it is today. Right? It sounds good on paper, but it wasn't the case. I go up there. Uh, Kim and Penn to go see the lay of the land before we were supposed to go up there. And it was bad. You could smell weed in the hallways, cussing kids in the hallways, like as if it was a mall. Kids just not even in classes. It was crazy. I'm here cursing. So we one little girl, this was just tearing the whole place up. And I'm looking like, y'all not going to do nothing. Y'all not going to say nothing. They was looking like, like they was just a mascot. Like this just goes on. Mm-hmm. When I get, when we first get got to the school, I want to say about two weeks before school started, that little baby girl that I just mentioned was missing. And the missing went on for a couple of weeks, opened up school. They said they found her in an abandoned building. Mm. She was, she was, and I don't want to get too graphic, but she was decomposed so bad they didn't know, they couldn't even make her out. So I opened up in the morning, y'all. And I had no idea, like, I, I just never knew that kids were dying, let mm. alone in my school. So I don't know these kids. They don't know me. We're dealing with death. So now I'm looking for help. I'm looking for guidance. Like, I don't know all of the gangs here. So I had to reach out to some of the OGs that's around and like help me sift it. Like, I need to figure out what's going on. Like, I don't know who's warring with who. It's like, it it wasn't even about school no more, guys. It was literally trying to figure out who's a friendly and who's not. Yeah. So, so we get the lay of the land now. I had to kick some kids out, guys. I had to. Like, some kids were close to graduation and some just was there for the heck of it. So I had to sift through that. Uh, and we still gave them opportunities to get a GED and things of that nature. And I'm, and I'm trying to go fast. I don't want to. No, you're fine. Take, no, your, take time. your time. Take your time. So so we had to make a decision. I had some kids that were close to graduation and some were not. So I had to I had to kick out the kids that were not were not there to graduate. But I gave them alternative options to get their GED and things of that nature. So now we got we got that rolling. They kidnapped one of my boys. Mm. 
He's one of your boys, like one of your like students, your, your son or one of your boys or. Oh, no, they kidnapped one. Of, you know, I call my kids at the school, my baby. Gotcha. They yep. one of my I got students. you. They kidnapped one of my students at the school. And I apparently or allegedly he was the connect for all of the good drugs. Well, he knew where to get them from mm. when he didn't give them up his sources. They killed him and threw his body in his neighborhood. So the last people he was seen with that started a whole nother like war in the building because it was kids from the school and it was all of this so it was shootouts and all these things in Newark. We go into the summer that year, guys. And when I say I felt helpless, it was like everything that was happening in the West War, either my kids were doing it or was happening to them. Mm. We get back to the school year now. We don't write at the ship. I got better teachers in there. They know we there. We're not leaving them. We're good. I had this one kid. He was the most I want to say gangster in parentheses kid I've ever had. I'm talking about ankle bracelet, talking about somebody you would not want to see at night if you didn't know him. Like literally it can go down. And he had this most infectious smile. It was like, I'm like, but the cops are coming here for you every day, man. What's going on? He said, cook, man, I don't care about none of that. He said, my mama is going to see me walk across the stage. And I felt that. And I was like, all right, two weeks before graduation, he got killed in a drive-by shoot. Mm. That was three. So I had to come up with something. And that's why I said we, we came up with the lights on program because it was it was just like I'm just going to sit back and just keep watching my kids die. Mm. You know, like we talk about going undefeated a lot. Like now where I'm at and where Sherry teaches that if you're going undefeated, that's awesome. But if you lose, you could lose a kid's life. So that's why the lights on is so vital to what we're doing. And uh, like I said, we, we, we averaging about 250 to 350 kids every night. We feeding more. So it's just been a pillar, or I, I call it the oasis of, you know, in the land of despair in my city, and, and it's catching on in other cities now. It, and it, so how did the program have to pivot during COVID? Oh, that was a whole nother beast. Um, we actually had to stop for a while, and then Akbar, his wheel started turning, and he started thinking of ways that we could get back into the building and still be safe at the same time. At one point we were in the parking lot, um, mm. giving out meals and giving out um, fresh produce because we couldn't be in the building. So he arranged for us to be in the parking lot and families would come get food that way. So, so, um, so let me chime in. I'm gonna let you finish. Mm -hmm. So what, so what made me think of this, it was around Memorial day, the Salvation Army and, and Jersey kids had reached out to me and they said, cook, they said, we have a truckload, 1,500 boxes of fresh produce with nowhere to give it to. It's like, can you figure something out? And mind you, this is when we were still shut down, y'all. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, 1,500 boxes on Memorial Day? Yeah. I was like, I was like, all right, we'll figure it out. We had 700 people come out and take all 1,500 boxes. That let me know and my team know. And they're so brave because I was still in a bubble. You guys know I have asthma. Yeah. So it took Sherry and my other staff to go out and do what she said they was doing. But that's what, that's what sparked it guys. It was, it was knowing that so many people were going without that they would come out on a national holiday and still come out and get food. So they needed it. yeah, so that was, that was during COVID. So, um, when we were actually able to go back into the building, it was a whole different dynamic because where we had high school students before now we still have those families that were coming during the during the pandemic, they they know about us now and they know that we're there. So now we have the students coming back and we still have those families to this day that still come 
on Friday nights to get meals for their families for the week sometimes. So we were able to get through it. And so what does it look like? We, what does it look like? So, so Sherry and my sister, they cook meals. They cook enough yeah. meals of almost 400 people mm-hmm. to, to go. So if a family of four comes up and say, we got eight kids at home, we will give them enough to go boxes and we'll still give them the fresh produce and the dry goods to go home. So they get a meal that night and enough food for the weekend. Mm-hmm. And when we were in COVID, these these the brave men and women were coming to give them enough food for the night on Monday, and then they have enough food for Tuesday. They come again on Wednesday, get enough food for the night, and have enough food for Thursday. And we kept doing that all the way up until the summer ended, and we got able to go back into the building. But it, like I said, it took Sherry and them. I was scared to go around anybody at the time, guys. Because mm. it was so new, and we didn't really know what was going on with COVID. And Op has really bad asthma. I really didn't want to see him out there anyway. So I just took the reins and and tried to keep it going while he was inside. So good for you. That's so you were saying, has this caught on in other schools? Because you hear about I mean, the schools have so much on their plates right now. But your situation, I mean, it's not there's common sense stuff in there that I'm sure someone's like, oh, a laundromat. Yeah. Oh, 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 you know, an after hours program. Yeah. Like, has this caught on in other places? Yes, I'm, I'm so happy about it, guys. It did catch on. And it took, uh, you know, they, they say principalship is a lonely profession. Mm-hmm. And when the world shut down, we were very lonely. We was we didn't know what to do. Like education took a hit. You guys know you have young mm-hmm. children. Yeah, it was hard on everyone. And uh, my, my mentor, Dennis McKeezy, he used to be at the Harlem's Children's Zone with Jeffrey Canada when they was doing all of that amazing stuff there. He was mentoring principals and he just put us all on a Zoom like every Thursday at four o'clock. And we just got to vent, talk about best practices and what we were all doing just to stay afloat. And uh, it took those folks to believe in what what I was doing over here. And they allowed me to bring the lights on program to 12 schools in New York City. Once we started doing it in New York City, then I went out, I got two schools in Vegas. I have two in LA. We're going to the Virgin Islands and we're going to Cameroon in April, so. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. 
Akbar and Sherry, tell me about your philosophy on hope, because it seems like you guys have created hope where there was none before. And I can't imagine how powerful that is in a community. Yeah. Yeah. I would say it's hope. I, I just, again, back to Maslow, like they want us, they want the kids to, to learn, but, but they, they smell bad or they didn't eat or they got to take care of their siblings or, you know, or, or they, or they have to judge between, well, not judge, but choose between a job or going to school now. Like all of these things that play a part in what kid decisions these kids are making. And I'm just trying to just remove the barriers so they can just be kids again. That's the problem. That's the life someone's about. Let kids be kids. Just run around and not worry about, you know, somebody trying to rob you or, you know, whether you're going to eat. So it's just getting back to that, man. Kids need to be kids. We're making them grow up so fast with these telephones and social media. So Lights On was just supposed to be just that that God in light. I, I'm so glad it's taken on. And I'm so, I know you're saving lives out there. Um, Sherry, you're a teacher, you're in the classroom, and I know that during COVID, it was, I mean, I saw what our teachers had to do, and I would I would mistakenly say, like, oh, we're homeschooling. We're not homeschooling. We literally just sat our kids in front of their computers, and the teachers did all the work. What do you wish parents knew about education right now? Like, what, what do you, yeah, wish they knew? I wish parents, and I think that it's catching on more so now. Um, knew that they play a major role in the education of their children. They are their children's first teachers. And you don't just stop teaching them when they go into a school building. You still teach them at home. You read with them. You know, you teach them maybe some things that they didn't pick up in the classroom. You just make sure that you know, and you talk to them about school and you talk to them about their day. It's not just, you know, books, books, books all the time. Mm -hmm. In the the world that we're living in now, we have to make sure that there's social and emotional that that's been taken care of as well. Um, we want them to learn, but we also want them to be successful adults, well-rounded adults. So that I want them to know that education is important, but we have to look at the, the, the child as a whole. We have to take into consideration that they're going through everything that we're going through as adults, maybe even more because they're young. They don't mm -hmm. they they don't know how to deal with the world like adults know how to deal with the world. And just to be there for them, just to be there for them. It's not all about those A's and B's. You want to make sure that you're taking care of their social and emotional well-being as well. Can I add something, guys? Yeah, please. So so what, what 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 everyone has to realize is that let's take Sherry, for instance. Sherry is a second grade teacher, right? Yes. Second grade teacher. The children that she has have not been in a classroom since kindergarten. Yeah. Think, think about that. So you're taking a baby. And they were only there for half a year. Yeah. 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 So you're taking that baby and you're trying to expose them to second grade work when some of the babies don't even know how to spell a name and they're supposed to be writing sentences. I want you to think about that. Now think about me in high school. I have a 10th grader that has not been in school since eighth grade. Yeah. And now I'm putting him around 17 and 18 year olds. Mm. So schools are going through it more so that way, but also with the learning loss, but we got to think about the social aspect yeah. which she keeps talking about. Like you don't know how to be so like a, a, a eighth grader does not know how to socialize with a 12th grader. You just don't. 
Mm-hmm. You know, so I still got the boys. I, I make a joke with them all the time. They're running, hitting the girls, and then running away. I'm like, boy, if you don't stop doing that, that's not high school. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I, I, I Even with our own children, I think that, I mean, my daughter's now a freshman, but she really, this is her first year since seventh grade, and now she's in this huge high school, and I think that it's so overwhelming for our kids right now even in the best of circumstances so like in the best of circumstances we're, yeah we're going through i think everyone goes through it at whatever age it is there in it akbar you're 100 percent right it's the social part like our kids went through it as well yeah. and we saw we They're saw still struggling with we it we saw real sadness and um just kind of sadness comes from confusion and not really knowing what to do and how to do it i mean we've been very fortunate that you know our kids are back in school and I mean, they're getting there. You still can't tell if somebody's smiling, though. I mean, it's it. it, it, it there's so many things that we've got to repair, mm-hmm. and that's why it's probably a good thing that your book is going to get passed around pretty soon. Yes, let's talk about focus on the love, a transformative approach to organizational leadership. It's let's, a fancy title. It is Akbar. a fancy title, Akbar. <laughs> tell us about this book. Where'd it come from? Y'all segues are amazing. We're amazing. That's all. Like, honestly, we were news reporters. We are so freaking cringy with our segues. So bad. (laughs) Y'all badass. But uh, (laughs) uh, I wanted to call the book Leading with Love, right? And and, and it's more like a how-to manual. Uh, I just wanted to tell folks, like, listen, one, all of these things, these ideas I come up with, they're not my ideas. They're from people around me, mainly my kids. But if you just listen and you do everything with love, great things happen. Like when when I choose a staff, like I just told you, these people put themselves at risk to hold me and the Lights On program down. I mean, the, the city, like literally, that was love. They, they, they did, I made them, you know, stakeholders in it. So the book is about transformative leadership, man, organizational leadership. It's just about if you're the fortune, uh, fortune 500 CEO down to the head of the custodians, like if you just run your team, like you would run your family, like think about it. You got Hmm. little children. I got children. If you ran your business, like you want your babies to do in real life and do better than you, what, well, how could you lose? So it's just basically a how to manual, how to run your organization. Just quotes. It's just things that I hope motivate uh, folks. But I only have one story in there, guys. I got one story. It's uh, from a, one of my kids, Alfonso Anderson. Alfonso Anderson played basketball for me. And I knew this kid would die if he stayed here. So I shipped Alfonso Anderson off to the other part of the United States. I sent him to Cheyenne, Wyoming. Whoa. To, to, yes. To a junior college out there. And he was on a, he was on a full scholarship. And, and Penn, I know you know this. In order to play Division One basketball, you need to graduate from a, a junior college. Yes, right. So, the uh, he only had forty eight credits, and he could go play NIA or Division Two, but it was his dream. So he was about to go home, guys. And that school loved that boy so much they gave him another free year, and he graduated with his associate's degree from there. Right now, he's at a historically black college in uh, Oklahoma City, and he's still doing his thing. So that's me. I put that story in to show you that if I would have just did the bare minimum like most people do and just level up on his kid, he would have been home and probably dead or in jail right now. Mm-hmm. And that's what this book is about. It's just literally going beyond, you know, finding people that match your fly. That's one of the keywords. Match your fly, meaning match my intensity, my work ethic, my love for what I do. And uh, again, good things will happen. So not me being all preachy, but that's what the book is about. No, I, and I love what you said about like finding you want people like in my 
I want my kids to do better than I, I do. I, I want my yeah. kids to do better. And I think lead, leading an organization, taking your teacher, your staff, whatever it is, and you want them to do, surpass you. Like they want, you want them to do better than you do. Yeah. The same way you do in your family. I think that's a great way to look at it. Also, Akbar, uh, we went through the same thing when we wrote our book. It, it's called imposter syndrome. And we always feel like we have to qualify everything with like, this isn't me. This is stuff that's all out there that we have discovered. And you don't want to, and you said, I don't want to sound preachy. We do the same thing when we talk about our book. I will say this from your stories and everything you've told, no one has a perspective as unique as yours. Right. So you should own it. Yeah. Because it is yours. Totally. Well, I thank you guys. And I, and I, and I thank you guys for everything that you do. You guys are so inspirational. Um, we love, I, you are Kim, you are, oh my God. You are. <laughs> Yo, I had, I had to, I, I, I did y'all sign copies today and I just was trying to find the right words to say to you both. You guys just pushed us. You was always there. We needed you. And even now, like you guys, it's like when I say influential, like if you guys like something, the whole world likes it with you. I'm just like, <laughs> you guys are so. I mean, awesome. we're not Ellen, but we'll take it. And I was like, are they like that in person? Really? Do they? Yeah, they really are funny and they're nice. <laughs> we are cringy in person as well. But, but I've always been cringy. Like, come on. I'm fine with it. Just I'm leaning into it. I, you know. I'm, so, okay, hold on, Akbar, real quick. So, uh, and then we're going to let you go. Yeah. But so what do you think is missing? So this is all about like leadership and organization and all that and, and, and your family. But what do you think leaders in companies and schools and families are missing that we're not doing right? I have to start from the school's perspective, right? Mm -hmm. I think as educators, we taught the backwards plan, right? So the ultimate goal is to get to a living wage. I don't think America has figured that out yet. I thought that with this this halt in education, we could address it, but it's not there. If the if 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 the ultimate goal is a living wage, what are we doing to set every kid up to be successful? I mean, we have individual education plans, IEPs for certain students, but it should be individual learning plans for everybody. Find out what they're passionate about, what's already genius in them, and build on it. I mean, I don't know if you guys read The Giver, but in The Giver, they had a society where they started earmarking these kids for all of this stuff when they was like almost three years, you know, from the womb to, mm -hmm. to, to they got to a certain age. And I think we need to do that. Like we just keep throwing every kid at college and college is not the cure all be all for mm -hmm. everyone. So I just think we need to reverse engineer what is the ultimate goal. And we need to figure out how to get everyone there. Not just the top half. There's not just my nerds. And I can call them nerds because I'm a principal. What bigger nerd is that? <laughs> right. Hey, we're nerds. But, it's fine. Not insulting. <laughs> But also the kid at the back of the room that this traditional education is not impacting. So I had to start from there, guys. By the way, uh, funny story. The time that we spent most together, us and the cooks, was in Switzerland, which has figured out a living wage. I don't know. Like I, we were well, talking that, I mean, to a taxi, like one of the car drivers there, and he was telling us all about how the government is set up. And it's interesting. Well, I mean, that could I mean, there's a bigger problem that like there's you can go to a, work in a restaurant and still qualify for government assistance like the the living wage that's a it's a whole other thing it's a whole other podcast yeah but yeah i, I agree that 
I, I don't, I don't personally agree that we preach. Like if you don't go to college, you have failed. Like, I don't think college is for everybody. And I think that at, like, you're just like you were saying, there's a special genius inside everybody. And how are, I think this like one track, like you go to college or you don't think that I think it's preached a lot is bad. So we could talk forever, but I'm proud of you and publishing this book. I'm so excited to read it. I can't wait to you guys read it. It should be there. It should be there before Valentine's Day. Just letting you guys know that. Okay. So, when is that again? We've been we've been we've been together long enough that I do not. Wait, what day? Of the, what, I know what day it is, but what day of the week is it? It's um, Monday. Monday. Thank you. Monday. And and because we live in like a weird space time continuum, this is actually coming out Tuesday. Right. So, so I will have either screwed up Valentine's Day or done a great job by the time you listen to this. I mean, you don't, I mean, do you guys do Valentine's Day? You've been married for a long time. Do you do Valentine's Day? No, my son has an eight eight o'clock game on Valentine's Day. (laughs) I feel like our weekends, yeah, our weekends, our weeknights are just youth sports. We're in that season, you guys, like our son, just like he's trying out for AAU. Our daughter is going to USTA tournaments. Like we are. I mean, nobody told me about that stage and parenting which is just the youth sports <laughs> that's stage all it is of parenting oh yeah yeah i mean always on the run go 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 i know anyway okay we're gonna let you guys go we love you we- it was so great to I, see them and talk to them yes i love them i've i've never heard akbar's story in that much detail before mm-hmm. i assumed that it was bad every time he talks he says it was bad and then you hear what it's really like and I can't even imagine that level of bad. Mm-hmm. You know why I can't imagine it? Because I've never encountered anything anywhere close to it. I mean, I grew up in a city that had some trouble, but I've never heard anything like that before. And it just shows the character that both of them have. And uh, the hope they have and the work ethic they have to not give up on. I think we live in this bubble. We yeah. all do, right? If, yeah. if, and it's easy just to kind of put the blinders on and not see what's happening in, in, in your own community. So they're inspiring and I love them. And we will put the link to his book because that's a way to support them mm-hmm. in all the show notes and all that stuff. And thank you so much for listening. I know, I know there was a little bit of amazing race stuff there at the beginning, but it really is. It, it, it is a unique experience that we went through and now you can hear how we kind of go through it with other people and other married couples. Yeah. And no one gets out of this thing unscathed. Right. And so it affects all of us, but really what it did was gave us the opportunity to meet people with, in, with so many different backgrounds and there's no better example than, than those two. And I miss them. Thanks for listening. Bye. up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. 
Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.